I mentioned in a previous episode that the vaccine is a failure, and the reason I feel it's a failure is because it was ineffective at preventing infection with the latest variant of the coronavirus, which is the Omicron variant. But I also mentioned that scientists knew the vaccine would become ineffective. They knew that it wasn't going to work. And I want to share parts of an article from The Atlantic. It was published May 21st, 2021. And I'm only going to read parts of it, and I will try to explain the basic gist of it. The statements I make on this podcast are for educational purposes only. My statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. Therefore, the statements I make are not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All of the information I share is simply for informational purposes only. You should always consult with a licensed healthcare professional before you start taking a new vitamin, supplement, medicinal herb, or conventional medication. You should also get professional advice before you start a new exercise program or if you suspect that you might have a health problem. Knowledge is power. I hope hope you use the information I share with you to seek the best care for yourself and the people you love. Thank you for listening. The title is COVID-19 vaccine makers are looking beyond the spike protein. It's time for more weapons in the shots versus virus arms race. And this was written by Catherine J. Wu. So they're talking about the spike protein on the coronavirus. The spike protein is basically the thorny knobs that are on the outside of the virus particle. And that's what gives it the name coronavirus because people think that those spike proteins make the virus look like it has a crown, which corona is another word for crown. Most people kind of know that already. So the spike protein has been mentioned as essential in creating an immune response, right? So the vaccine has been targeted at the spike protein. But some virologists believe that people maybe shouldn't have put all of their eggs in the spike protein basket. And this is because coronavirus is a slippery, shape-shifting kind of thing. And the spike protein is one of the parts of the virus that actually changes the most. So the first generation of vaccines being focused on the spike protein were inevitably going to fail eventually. And they kind of knew that it would happen quickly because the spike protein is one of the parts of the virus that does change so quickly. So even before the Omicron variant and before scientists knew that the vaccine was going to be ineffective at preventing infection with the Omicron variant, they were already looking into creating better vaccines. And they figured that maybe they should include more parts of the virus and not just focus on the spike protein. They figured that more virus ingredients could help the body identify more targets to attack. That way they would be able to loop in untapped reservoirs of immune cells that really have no interest in the spike protein. So I don't know if I mentioned that the purpose of the spike protein is to help the virus unlock and enter a human cell, and that is actually one of its most dangerous features. But the problem is that even subtle shifts in the spike protein structure can make it 
harder for molecules to actually attach to the surface of the virus and start to attack it. In this article, they mentioned that back in May of 2021, they had already recognized variants of the coronavirus that were able to get around being recognized by their spike protein. Antibody dodging variants of the virus, each carrying slightly rejiggered versions of spike, have now appeared in several countries including South Africa, Brazil, India, and the United States. More will certainly follow. That's a direct quote from the article. They admit that microbes mutate much faster than humans invent vaccines. So, the plan is to maybe give the immune system more hunks of the virus to target. And there is a Chinese company called Cinefarm that has actually tried that already. They use whole coronavirus particles which have been chemically incapacitated so they can't cause a true infection. But whole virus vaccines can be a pain to produce and they have delivered mixed results in the past. A California-based company called Gritstone Bio decided to take a more targeted approach. They selected a subset of coronavirus traits to package into some of their repertoire of inoculations. One of their vaccines contains not only spike proteins but also chunks of two proteins that the coronavirus keeps in its interior. So we know that the spike proteins are on the outside of the virus and on the inside there are some other proteins and this company is trying to target some of those. One of the proteins on the interior of the virus is called nucleocapsid and nucleocapsid helps the virus package its genetic material into a nice neat little package. And then there's another protein called ORF3A and ORF3A helps newly formed coronavirus particles get out of the cell. So they want to target the thing that helps keep the genetic material of the virus packaged and they want to target the protein that helps the newly formed virus escape and go and infect other cells, right? And I think that sounds like a really great approach. So this is kind of the difference between antibodies and T-cells because none of those internal proteins are going to be of much interest to neutralizing antibodies because neutralizing antibodies are built to latch on to the outside of the virus. But T-cells love the stuff that's on the inside of the virus. T-cells recognize and kill infected cells and they chew up the pathogens and display chunks of the pathogens on their surface. So if antibodies are like cameras that focus on a virus's superficial outside appearance, T-cells are like x-rays that go a few layers deeper. T-cells are already an essential part of the immune response our bodies mount even to the current vaccine because they react very strongly to spike. But the T-cells could be doing even more if they were given the chance to. T-cells in people who have been infected by the coronavirus can actually home in on many parts of the virus that aren't packaged into most vaccines. And some of these parts have mutated much more slowly than the spike protein. This is one of the reasons that people with natural immunity have protection that's strong and long-lasting. Early studies were showing that new coronavirus variants that could trick the antibodies were nowhere near stumping the body's diverse cavalry of T-cells. So this is why natural immunity is better than the vaccine. Like I mentioned from other articles, your immunity from the vaccine is going to wane and you will be less 
less protected within six months, whereas your immunity from being infected with the coronavirus and recovering is going to be much stronger and much more long-lasting. And scientists are trying to produce better vaccines that can mimic the body's natural immune response. Strong and versatile T-cell responses may, on occasion, be powerful enough to fend off the coronavirus largely on their own. And that could actually be a really good thing for certain people who are not able to rely on spike protein immunity. There are people who are on drugs that actually blunt the ability of immune cells called B-cells to produce antibodies. So, their B cells are actually not producing antibodies and that means that the vaccine is really no good for them. And the reason people would take this type of drug is because of an autoimmune disease. They have an overactive immune system and they're on a medication that causes their immune system to kind of like settle down. So a spike-free vaccine would be great for those kinds of patients, people with autoimmune disease who are on medications that inhibit their ability to produce antibodies. Ultimately, vaccine makers are looking to offer more layers of protection from the virus. There's another California-based company called Immunity Bio that plans to push the pro-T-cell paradigm even further. This company has several versions of a spike nucleocapsid combo vaccine that's already in clinical trials, and some of these vaccines are being delivered as drops into the mouth and will soon be tested out as intranasal sprays. So drops that you can take by mouth or spray up your nose sounds really good to me because I have such a phobia of needles. And from the scientific standpoint, this route of administration is a much better pantomime of how the coronavirus actually enters the human body, you know, through the airways. It will encourage the production of unique populations of antibodies and T-cells tailor-made to guard those specific tissues. And a lot of the T-cells even get down into the lungs where they can fight off the virus immediately. And that's something that doesn't happen efficiently when you have a vaccine injected into your muscle. So there would be no need to go back for multiple drops or nasal sprays or whatever. But the spike plus approach is not foolproof. Stuffing too many triggers into a vaccine could backfire. It could, for example, distract your immune system from focusing on the right things at the right time. So a poorly designed vaccine could actually rev up T cells and sap away resources from B cells that might otherwise pump out neutralizing antibodies and stop the virus before it infects your tissues. So we want to make sure that we're not like triggering an over response in one way that hampers a response that might actually be more effective. So basically, the immune system would be hyper-focused on the wrong thing. Even worse than that would be a vaccine that inadvertently shifts your immune system into overdrive, where your immune system starts killing off your healthy cells as well as the infected cells. And there's even precedent for this happening. This happened with the coronavirus that caused the 2002 SARS epidemic. Lab mice were given a vaccine that included nucleocapsid, and they did much 
much worse. So there is a need to proceed with a lot of caution when we try to create these jazzed up vaccines. Another thing we need to keep in mind is that even after the pandemic is declared over, the coronavirus will still linger. We're going to have to learn how to live with this virus now. The end of this article was extremely disappointing to me. But before I get into that, I've already mentioned that I feel strongly that this virus was created in a lab, and there is a lot of evidence now to support that idea, and it's no longer considered like, you know, whisperings of conspiracy theorists. A lot of people agree that there is enough evidence to support the idea that the virus was created in a lab. So the end of this article is frustrating and disappointing to to me because it seems like they're continuing that type of research, here's what they say. Our approaches to vaccination might need to become less reactive and more proactive. Surveillance centers around the world have in recent months begun to sequence samples of the virus at an accelerated pace, cataloging every tweak in its genome, while researchers work to model the ways viral genes and proteins might change. Okay, so it sounds like they're tweaking its genome, they're cataloging every tweak in its genome while researchers work to model the ways viral genes and proteins might change. So they're trying to anticipate changes and they're cataloging all the tweaks. I don't like that word because tweak to me sounds like they're messing with it. It doesn't sound like they're just watching how it naturally changes on its own. That's bothersome. Especially knowing that the way this virus came together was from a bat coronavirus sharing genetic material with a pangolin coronavirus, and now we know that COVID is spreading through the white-tailed deer population. What kind of change is it going to pick up there? You know, that would be, I guess you could say, natural. But if in the lab they think, oh, this could be cool, they might start doing things that are very unlikely to occur naturally and are potentially very dangerous. So I would vote that they should leave it alone you know, don't intentionally tweak it. Maybe monitor how the changes are happening. And I'm even nervous to say that because I know that these labs have been shut down for not following protocols properly. And we also know that pathogens repeatedly escape from these labs. So I don't have a lot of trust right now in the scientists' ability to handle this as carefully as they need to. I'm kind of in the camp of like, leave it alone. I don't know what all goes into developing vaccines. They're saying that if they want to create a vaccine that is likely to treat the next variant before the next variant is even out, then they have to do this sort of stuff. I hope I've explained well enough why I don't like it. It just feels wrong. But anyway, my whole reason for sharing this article was to kind of explain scientifically, but also in everyday language, why natural immunity immunity is better than the vaccine. The vaccine gives you antibodies to detect the spike protein and launches defense against anything with that spike, but natural immunity allows you to recognize the spike as well as other parts of the virus that mutate more slowly than the spike. T-cell immunity is strong and versatile, but it is good to have both, and natural immunity definitely gives you both. Thank you so much for listening to Path of a Greenwich podcast.